0: We essentially need pollinators to survive. Bees are responsible for pollinating about a third of the food we eat. My goal is to find people who want their own hives and then I can be their own like private personal beekeeper. Hi, I'm Andrew Morrison and you're entering a world gone
1: good. Well, hello, my name's Steve, and I'm here to spread some good in the world. Now, you may be asking how you can spread some good yourself. Here is a suggestion. Share this podcast with your friends. Post about us on social media. Tell your friends and your enemies, too, about us and help us grow the good that's out there. And while you're at it, feel free to subscribe, rate, and review us. Um a lot of people ask why why should I do those things? What does it matter? Because the thing is when you do any of all or any of those things that I just spoke about as I'm tripping over my own words, you help more people discover us out there in the podcast world. For all of you who have done so far any of that good stuff World Gone Good says thank you. And I say thank you. Steve says thank you. Okay, spoiler alert we're all going to die. I know, what? But just because we aren't going to last forever doesn't mean we have to take down our planet with us. Now, previously, we've talked about um, organic farming with Farmer Phil and vegan eating with Mama Auntie and saving animals with the Gentle Barn's Ellie Lacks. Um, you can search back for those good episodes and give a listen if you haven't yet. You definitely should. But today, we are going to talk about the one tiny creature on earth that affects all of these things the bees beekeeper andrew morrison is here to share his knowledge from hive hierarchy to colony collapse and everything in between be warned today's episode may contain a ton of good puns honey see what i did there So I'm so excited to have you here because because there's going to be a shit ton of puns. So warning, there's going to be a lot of puns
0: happening. I've heard them all, but if you can surprise me, I will give you brownie points for
1: that. Okay, good. Well, then, believe me, believe me. Oh,
0: Jesus is going to get old quick. It's just every other word.
1: Uh huh. So I'm so excited to have you here, and I'm going to start with a very wide question, and then we'll narrow in and try not to laugh at this question. What is good about bees? Oh, interesting.
0: Um I think the the where I always start is that we essentially need pollinators to survive. They bees are responsible per, for pollinating about um a third of the food we eat. Um so if we want to continue eating food, um we need bees.
1: Yeah. And have you always been into bees?
0: Yeah, I've, I grew up on a farm in Northeastern Minnesota and we had bees there. Uh, I've always been really into pollinators and ecosystems and bees and just the natural world, uh, has always been a huge thing for me. And, I was getting stung at a really, really young age. My dad was a really kind of like, if they're not bleeding, it's not work kind of a guy. And so we, you know, I was always having to like remove hornet's nest as like an eight year old kid and like just psychotic things like that. Um, so I was always kind of getting stung and um, always close to bees and working with bees uh, in a sort of torturous way. And then um it was just sort of a normal thing for me, but it wasn't until, oh, and you know, we had orchards too. We had apple orchards and that was a big deal because I'm, I'm remembering now that a big reason why we had colonies was to pollinate the apple orchards. Um, and then it wasn't until university that it all kind of got a lot more, like the, the stakes were raised because I got a job in a honeybee and bumblebee research lab at the University of Minnesota.
1: Oh, wait, wait, hold on a second. What did you go to school for, though?
0: Yeah, so I actually went to school for environmental science, policy, and management originally. Before I went to theater school.
1: Okay, okay, yeah. that that's in your that's in the <laughs> zone. That's in the bee zone. Well, the the first part of it is right. I
0: know it's kind of weird, but yeah, I um. While I was at university, um, word got out that I had worked with bees. And I had never even heard of this bee lab. And I was like, what the hell is the bee lab? That sounds crazy. <laughs> um, but what it was was, uh, and anyone in the bee world knows her name, but because uh, she's kind of a bee celebrity, but Marla Spivak is a MacArthur Genius Grant winner. And she had just won. The MacArthur Genius Grant. So she got a million dollars to do whatever the fuck she wanted to do with it. And she did this um, massive study on the impact of a pesticide called imidacloprid, which is a synthetic nicotine made by Bayer, the German chemical engineering company. And this pesticide is used in the United States still, broadly. Um, We're one of the few countries that still uses it. And her study was looking at how this pesticide affects the health of bees in the colony. And I got to, first I was hired to work on bumblebees, uh, small bumblebee colonies, poisoning them with various dosages of this pesticide. And then I proved that I could handle bumblebees and I was promoted to honeybees.
1: Nice. So take everybody through, let's talk about the differences of what what's the bumblebee's job and what's the honeybee's job. Oh, so
0: bumblebees bumblebees and honeybees differ in that bumblebees are like they're smaller colonies, like smaller bees within the within the colony. And then honeybees, you know, okay, so with bumblebees, you're talking like less than a hundred bumblebees live in a bumblebee colony and obviously bumblebees are bigger we all know that um and bumblebees can sting multiple times Ah. Um, but they're much more like docile and you know everybody loves a bumblebee and honeybees on the other hand when you're seeing honeybees european bred honeybees um They they're totally different. So that's like a colony of up to 10,000 bees in that colony. Um, And they're what you're typically seeing in like almond plantations where it's just like industrial level honeybee production where you've got these honeybee um, uh, like commercial honeybee keepers in the Midwest will literally package their hives, put them on giant um, semi trucks and ship them out to California to pollinate almond groves. Um, And that is like a whole different industry. And bumblebees are just kind of naturally out there. And then you have native bees. There's native bees all over the world, including in Los Angeles area.
1: Now, do they all make honey or do only the honeybees make honey?
0: No, they all make honey. um, They're all collecting pollen and nectar and making honey and all sorts of different things like propolis and royal jelly and all that cool stuff that's just kind of starting to become a little better known and more popular.
1: Now, the honeybee gets all the credit because he's got the cool name, but... (laughs) The other, <laughs> totally. but the other bees. Now, the honey from each bee taste different. Now, I know it's different. Like mm. I know that our own honey in our area, like mm-hmm. when I buy my raw honey here in Santa Barbara, it helps me with my allergens here in Santa oh, Barbara because it's a local, right? Yeah. And that that see that much I know about bees. Cool. But is there a different flavor depending on the bee? Oh, totally. And that's what's really you know
0: we're we're getting uh, there's more and more data is coming out about this too and we talk a lot about this at the LA beekeepers association which i'm highly involved with that honey is really fun to discuss amongst different types of beekeepers all across southern california even we talk about how the you know almond farmers honey is totally different from the you know like south pasadena hobbyist Um, beekeepers, honey. It's all about what they're pollinating. Uh, It's all about what's blooming. Um, And so you can get really hyper-specific with the type of honey that's being produced. And the reality is, is like a a batch of honey um, will be different throughout the year as well, because as as we all know,
1: different things are blooming throughout the year. Can we write a screenplay like Knives Out that takes place at the L.A bee association
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh it would be so it's so charactery the average beekeeper is like 58 years old our oldest member his i think yeah his name his our oldest member his name is elroy and he's like in his 80s the youngest i think is a teenager i'm like i skew very young for a beekeeper so it's a lot of fun everyone is just really odd and the only
1: thing we have in common is bees Now, now, is this something you do now for a living to make a living, or is this just a passion of yours? It's like half and half now. Um, I'm I've been doing a lot better
0: as an actor booking. Comm- actually, the last commercial I booked was an international campaign for Facebook as a beekeeper. So it's it's all <laughs> of
1: course it was. Come on, yeah, the costume. It's all coming together. <laughs> um, and then I do
0: work um, as a beekeeper. Uh, one of the things I do is called like a trap out, which is when people um, discover like a swarm or a nest of bees on their property, they they contact me or a Facebook group or the LA beekeepers association to have that swarm or nest safely captured and removed from their premises. Now, do you have your own hive somewhere that is your hive? I don't own my own hives right now, but I kind of co-share with a beekeeper in South Pasadena and, and he's, mentoring me and it's because I live in a little rinky-dink studio apartment in Larchmont Village so I can't have my hives here um so that's what I'm doing for now but my goal is to find people who want their own hives and then I can be their own like private personal beekeeper
1: let's get back to something from childhood I think all <laughs> of us were terrified of being stung <laughs> I think that is just the thing and I remember that I remember the first time I was stung And it was, like, in a field at camp. And I didn't even know I had been stung. All of a sudden, like, my leg did that pinching. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Right? And then I, like, looked down and I saw the stinger in and I'm like, what is that? I thought I ran into, like, something prickly um, plant-wise. And I yanked that mofo out and was looking at it. And then I was like, ow, 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 because it – So, when was the first time you were stung? Do you remember (laughs) –
0: I have two really iconic stories. One was um, as a kid, uh, you know, growing up on a farm, it was just like nonstop labor. And one chore that I absolutely hated was um, sweeping the front steps because we had this hummingbird feeder that just like every hornet, wasp, and bee loved to like go to and die. And I would sweep barefoot and I remember getting stung on the bottom of my feet like I had stepped in a bunch of bees and the bottoms of my feet were stung. And then that one was always very <laughs> triggering. And <laughs> cause then I was always afraid to walk barefoot. But then uh, I, I had this wacky job as like, I was like a 14 year old um, native plant restorationist. So I worked for a huge restoration company in Minnesota where we went to these massive properties to do like prairie plant restoration. And I was one of those people that uh, drank a bee, like a bee got in my Arizona iced tea and I went and Uh, it stung me in the throat. What? yeah Uh, and and i'm not kidding i got stung in the throat and it was terrifying and i remember we were way in the middle of fucking nowhere i'm telling you like an hour away from a hospital just like restoring native prairie and i'm like my throat it's swelling up and like everyone was freaking out and we, we they just fed me a bunch of ibuprofen and we like swiftly drove to the hospital by the time we got there i was fine
1: now what is the difference just so we can clarify this for everybody? What's the difference between a hornet, a wasp and a bee? Oh okay. Um
0: I'm probably going to be wrong. I don't I don't know the answers to everything, but you know like a honey Yes bee, you do. You,
1: know, I, you are a bee expert, uh, <laughs> that's why you are here. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Well,
0: you know, um really the big differences between the honeybee, wasp and I mean honeybees that we know in the commercial field are, are derived from these breeds of bees from Europe that have been bred and sort of um, selectively bred to do what they do because they, they produce honey and wax very well. So that's most of what we're seeing. They sting once and then they die. Um, there's a drone, uh, a female worker and a queen within the hive. Um, their hives are massive. We're talking ten thousand bees in a honey bee hive. These are the hives that are, you know, pollinating most of our crops in this in the world. Are those like Latin honeybees? Um, then you have wasps and hornets and all of that. They're they're very small colonies. They're you know less than a hundred per colony. Um, they can sting multiple times. They have elongated abdomens. They're they're. They're socially very different. Some wasps and hornets are predatory, um, which is a big difference between wasps, hornets, and and are you know what we all know as honeybees. Um, and then you have bumblebees, which are you know just they are not predators. They're they're pollinators, nectar drinkers. Um, they they have small colonies as well in those very like bulbous bodies.
1: How does it determine? How do you become the queen? Who decides that? So within a
0: hive, there's sort of this like process where, um, the queen develops out of like a group of, of potentials and, and they're kind of like fed and, um, nurtured. And then one just sort of, um, beats out the others. And then that one is, is chosen. And then the rest, um, are, are converted to something else or kicked out of the hive
1: we've heard a lot about and you you touched on it already and what you spent time researching we're hearing a lot about colonies collapsing this has yeah. been that's something that we've been hearing about for years now can you talk to us a little bit about that colony collapse disorder is the result
0: of many different factors so i think what humans generally do is they want to pinpoint like one thing that's causing the thing and you know we do that with everything but you know i studied environmental science and i think what i took away from that was actually we need to look at many different variables here and put them together so with um ccd colony collapse disorder it's a combination of climate change a lack of flowers for the bees to be sourcing their food from um it is a lack of habitat for them to be building their nests in it's a increase in human population that is you know pushing them out or disturbing their navigation patterns um it's it's pesticides too. I mean, that is what I studied at university where these pesticides that we use heavily in the United States um, and are still using are negatively impacting the health of insects, including bees and pollinators. And then those pesticides are building up in the fats of these insects and pollinators that's called bioaccumulating. And then birds and other things come and eat those bees or butterflies or whatever. And the pesticides bioaccumulate in them and so on and so forth. And these things affect us as well. So CCD is a, a, a result of many, many different environmentally degrading factors.
1: So what can we as humans and as listeners right now do to help the bees and avoid this from happening? What are things that we can do?
0: At the LA Beekeepers Association, our sole purpose is to educate and support honeybees and pollinators. And we do that for the public. We do it for free. So what we tell people who ask about how can they help? We really focus on saying, you know, you can throw up a window box, a planter, whatever, put flowers in it and you're already helping with that. Lavender is a great one. Look up a list of Flowers that attract bees or support pollinators. Those are the plants you want to start with. Drought tolerant native plants. I can't stress that enough. Native plants. And then water. A lot of people don't know that honeybees need water and they drink water. And it doesn't need to be like crystal clean, purified, like Angelinos want it. Like bees love scummy, dirty, algal filled water. So like water and flowers... And that's that's great. That's a huge help. If you've got money, write a check for the LA Beekeepers Association or right. any organization that does restoration, because it's really all about habitat. Um, and then, if you want to go big, big, like support anything that goes towards um, lobbying against imidacloprid and big pesticides in this country, and and phasing those out.
1: Yeah, we just did a whole replant a year ago. Lavender, um, rosemary. Mm-hmm. They love rosemary. Mm-hmm. And my rosemary, my rosemary. I'm looking yeah. at it right now. It's all, it's all purpley. Yep. All the little purple flowers come out. And you don't usually mm-hmm. think it's, and it's beautiful. And, um, and then um, flowers, that I bought these flowers. They're called yellow flowers. I don't know what the hell <laughs> flowers they are. It's <laughs> not They're real. yellow <laughs> and bees like that. Yeah, they like purple, blue, and yellow. <laughs> they great. just that's just like their taste yeah <laughs> it's funny because there was a meme going around for a while there about um you know when we were you know when i was little oh my god a bee run no don't get me now i see a bee crawling on the ground and i'm like what do you need buddy can i get you some water and yeah. um i've done it i've gone out and found a bee crawling around yeah. and i've gotten a leaf and put two drips of water on it and put him next to it <gasps> And then he starts drinking it.
0: Awesome. You know, and I want to say, too, a lot of people don't realize this, but if bees are like super into you or wanting to land on you, like 90% of the time, it's because they're after the sodium in your perspiration. So if you're like a sweater, like you're working, like you sweat a lot and you're working out in the park and you're like, God, these bees, it's sorry, but it's like you taste good to them. They love you.
1: Let me tell you what else they like about you. Your Arizona iced tea. That's what I learned today.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, they love a little sweet tea. They got a sweet tea taste. If someone's interested in becoming a beekeeper, what advice do you have for them? And Especially if it's somebody who, like yourself, is in a environment, an environment that doesn't allow for them to have some giant colony. What advice do you have?
0: Okay, so the learning curve for beekeeping is immense. And it's actually what I love about it is it's an infinite amount of learning. You you will never know everything about the bees uh, and they're always changing and they're different everywhere. And if you want to get started, I recommend um checking out the LA Beekeepers Association or your local chapter, like Orange County has their own. Like every county seems to have their own little beekeeper association. So check them out. They're going to have a wealth of free resources and then pretty much All of them have some sort of beekeeping 101 workshop and the LA Beekeepers Association. Um, we are on month two of our six month beekeeping 101, um, uh, like six month seminar. Uh, if you want to become a real beekeeper, uh, otherwise I'd recommend like subscribing to Beekeeper Journal, um, yeah, check out your local chapter. Just start reading and making sure it's something for you. There is, you know, there's. it's an investment. There's a lot of gear involved and equipment and stuff like that. You need space and you need to understand the laws surrounding beekeeping. It's not just like, let's just throw up a hive. There's like for sure zoning laws everywhere. Um, but it is worth it. It's such a cool journey. And once you get into that that community, you just realize like, it's more than bees. It's it's people who really care about the planet, really care about the environment. And That's why I'm in it. Um, I, I you know it brings me back to my roots. Um, it connects me with the type of people that have the same values as me, and all different ages and walks of life.
1: I write down really random questions. Cool, okay, and I you love just that. Sort of hit. You just sort of hit on one of them. I'm glad you do. Here's one of them. <laughs> What is the what's the name of the co- oh my god I almost got a fucking costume I'm keeping this in What's the name of the the beekeeper outfit you wear and what's the name of the hood that's got the net on the front of it Does it have a name Yeah yeah um it's just a, a hive jacket
0: or a hive suit um I don't think there's anything else we call it and then the veil the veil is the thing that covers your face. And the thing with bees is bees um, like humans can recognize faces. And this is something really cool. Like bees are, they're not necessarily more intelligent. And that was one thing the, the MacArthur genius grant Winner That I did research with in college. She was so funny because everyone thinks bees are like really smart and wise. And she's like, they're not. They're not that smart. They're just, they're just like adapted in a unique way. and, And it feels very human, but they can recognize faces. So you wear a veil because... If threatened or in danger, the thing they're going to go for first is like your eyes and your face. And that's an evolutionary trait. I mean, it just makes sense that they would attack the most sensitive part of the body. And really, if you think of like a bear, like a black bear or a brown bear attacking a hive and tearing it to shreds. Those bees have developed to attack the part of the bear that's the most vulnerable, which is like the eyes and the face, the mouth. Um, so we wear a hive always. And if you see, there's like this woman on TikTok who's like the bare-handed beekeeper. She's like this hot blonde chick in um, Texas. She does no veil. She does no protection. Um, I've done that too. There's, you can look up this crazy town thing that beekeepers do called bee beards, where they wear a queen in a little trap around an, in a necklace around their neck. And then the whole hive swarms their neck and their face. And I did that once and you can do it because in that state, the bees are like sedated. They're very peaceful and relaxed. They won't attack you, but. When you do that, when you're like doing an inspection on a hive and you just open it up and you're rutting around, that's like doing an open heart surgery on bees. You know, it's, it's, it's a vulnerable time and dangerous. So you, you, you have to wear a veil.
1: Yeah, that's their house. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also their workaholics, these bees. They're focused on their work. Mm-hmm. It's work, work, work. Okay, here's the next question I wrote down. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. How long does a bee live? Oh,
0: I'm not so good at those specifics on the but life, is it, life cycle. Is it
1: years? It did, I mean, did they go oh, into hibernation? You know, I,
0: I don't know the others, but I know the queen can live up to five
1: years. Now, where do they go? Like, where do they go in the winter? So Do they, do they, do they travel like birds or do they hibernate like a bear? See, where I know things. <laughs> what
0: um, <laughs> One minute they were there. Um, so... <laughs> It depends on where. Um when I was in Minnesota like bees would go dormant. They would literally go into this sort of like hyper um like low murmur, low vibration mode, which is like you can imagine it, right? Like they're all still buzzing in that hive to keep warm, but they're they're dormant, they're hibernating. Um whereas California and warmer climates are super unique in that the honeybees, and we're talking like domesticated europeanized bees they continue to work so we in southern california benefit from basically four seasons worth of um honey production bee production um and then when it comes to native bees it's like a whole nother thing as far as dormant and active um but yeah like if you compare minnesota uh you know cold climate versus southern california our bees don't really
1: change that much in the winter well i'm gonna say something that's gonna insult many many people that I have known for the last 25 years. You're the smartest actor <gasps> I've ever known in my oh, life. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> Thank you. I know all my actor friends are like, screw you, Steve. Oh, my God. <laughs> they're all grabbing like encyclopedias and and Googling things about, you know, butterflies that they're going to call me about. I know something about a snake. Um, <laughs>
0: i appreciate it yeah i mean it's years of and i still don't know so so that's the thing is like obviously i fumbled on a lot of these facts but like i'm constantly learning i'm that's why i love it is there's always more to know and they're always fucking with us like i think bees are actually one you know collective organism that's just like here to mess with humans and um i think you, you can never know everything. And as climate changes, they're changing too. It's, it's really wild. And that's, right. you know, at the Beekeepers Association, we have these monthly meetings and we share what we're learning and we're always blown away. There's this phenomenon going around the world where bees are, um, people are giving honeybees like a banana, like they're putting a banana into the hive and this is like a new discovery. Like no one had ever tried this before. They're just putting a motherfucking banana in the hive and the bees are devouring it. And wait, with the peel, with the peel or not with the peel. Like they're just like, with it's, the peel. it's like they put the banana in there and then they remove the lid and like it's gone. And like beekeepers tried it in Southern California. And they're like, yes, like bees love it. However, we're, f- we know, and this is like a fact that like the smell of a banana Um, is similar to whatever chemical or pheromone or whatever bees give off when there's danger. So like, if you eat a banana in the apiary, bees freak the fuck out and attack you. But if you feed them a banana, like a gift, they love it and they're
1: fine with it. (laughs) (laughs) like what Jesus I'm the same way with wine if you drink (laughs) wine and don't offer me any I freak the fuck out that's perfect that's such a good you that's it you know we never thought of that you give me some wine i'm good to
0: go (laughs) but it's so funny because there's a lot of teachers that are members of lakpa and they're like elementary teachers and they're so woo woo about it they're like well it's because you're not respecting like their their response for everything is like well it's because you don't love your bees enough because there's a lot of commercial beekeepers too that are like this is their business they make a lot of money they it's an industry and they are talking about like the issues they're having with their bees and blah blah blah, and then these like elementary teacher beekeepers are like, "Well, are you appreciating them when you go in?
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you hug the bee? Do you hug, or have you hugged a bee, bee lately? Kiss them." And it's like,
0: <laughs> these commercial beekeepers are
1: like, "No, I don't
0: fucking kiss my." <laughs> it's
1: so odd. That's what's fun about it. Well, we wrap up these shows with three questions. Don't worry. You know all the answers. The first one's the easiest one's Where can people find you online and follow you and all those good things? Plug away.
0: Oh, cool. Um, Yeah. If anyone wants to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Oxisol, O-X-I-S-O-L. And yeah, I think that's the best place to start. Um, And then just kind of start a dialogue there. And if they want, like... My email and all that other stuff um we'll see
1: <laughs> and that is that's how you and i met because i read up on you and i'm like sent you an instagram dm and you're like sure
0: yeah i mean like i'm responsive like that's that's a pretty easy way to start a dialogue and i'm i'm very open like if it, you know anything related to bees i'm you know i joined lockba to be a part of this wave of educating people not only about bees but like bees are the caveat to nature and you know there's a lot of spiritual belief around you know what you know is is our bees the penis of gaia blah 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 it goes on and on it's really cool and exciting but really to me it's about bringing people back to nature and respecting all pollinators and ecosystems so i'm glad to support anyone on that journey towards learning more and getting involved
1: <laughs> last two questions can go back to anything we've already talked about or whatever you have in your heart and head question number 1 really easy maybe not who inspires you oh cool
0: um i'm i'm very inspired by the work marla Spivak's doing with bees um judy wu was my mentor uh, another bee researcher bee scientist judy wu um did a lot of research with her she's amazing um and then Gosh, I don't know, besides, besides those guys, really just nature in general, I just wake up and I'm so grateful to be here in Southern California and working and I just love everything about this place. So um, I just want to keep giving back to it as well.
1: And the final question, again, can go back to anything we've already talked about or anything you want to say, really easy. Tell me something good. Oh, you know...
0: I'm having this quote made for me right now in Sweden. I I'm Swedish. And when I was there, I saw it quilted on this pattern framed on a wall. And I was like, that must be a thing. And I know Swedish and it translated to, I got to get it right. The right word at the right time speaks volumes. And It's just, it's like a thinker. I mean, I think that it's a quote that um, if you really do take it seriously and take it as like, if in this moment there's something I can say that's going to have an impact, um, or I instinctively feel this word or this thing I could say, there's something about it, then just say it. That's it.
1: Thank you, Andrew, for sharing your good. Raise your hand if you're going to go buy or plant some good blue, purple, or yellow flowers this weekend and help our little bee friends out. My hand is way up at the moment. Next time on World Gone Good. When I'm working... When I'm doing this with Shannon, I'm a happier mom. You know what I mean? Because I'm not cheating
0: myself out of the experience of enjoying the things that make me happy. I'm really proud of us. Like, I I love that this, you know, challenge has turned into a new creative
1: process and we've made it work somehow. And you don't step outside of your daily routine and it just, it it becomes like, it's a who, who am I a robot or am I actually like a person? We are making the month of May amazing with twice as many shows. Yes, you heard right. Get ready to double your good in May when we drop two episodes every Wednesday. And what gooder way to celebrate the week leading into Mother's Day than with Stacey Burrows and Shannon Noel, two musical mamas behind Mommy Tonk and Chia Davis from Mammafied. We're going to be talking about being a mom and still being a human, and why and how to follow your gut, and the importance of saying yes, and when and how to be fearless when you do. Look, whether you have your own offspring, or you completely dislike children the way I do, so much good is coming your way. Until then, be good.